up until the first lockdown, I was very much thinking there was going to be a jaywalk and I was going to be there. And then even when lockdown came in, it was kind of like, oh, it's still quite a while till jaywalk. So yeah. a few weeks of this and then, and then I'll be back out. And then it was moved to October. I was never as confident about that one. It never got more than a 50-50 in my head. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Run-In. Today we've got a fantastic interview with Grace Malloy, of course, a gold medalist from the Junior World Champs Relay. Uh, She kind of had her last year as a junior very disrupted last year, but now is a first-year senior and looking to make her mark in kind of the first set of senior competitions. So it'd be really great to catch up with her. First of all, Will, we're recording this uh, on what should be the JK. It's Easter weekend Mm -hmm. and for the second year in a row... Everyone, I, I don't know. From, I'm feeling a bit of a was feeling a bit of a at a loss because there's no orienteering going on. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, I mean, for me, like Easter is the JK. I have to say this to all of my friends. Like, I am not free at Easter. I am doing the JK. Like, the two go hand it, in hand. It's weird. It's kind of crept up on me this year because normally you plan all the way back like a few weeks of right I'm going to start my tip of there I'm going to do my final big session on this day you know do my final race before it on this one to get some feedback and structure everything out and just none of that this year so you can kind of roll through like any other normal training weekend it's a bit weird um apart from it being nice weather so uh, <laughs> it would have actually been quite a good JK. Yeah, although my club organised a little sprint race on um, Friday. Actually, just around a primary school, a junior school. So it was like oh, cool. controls yeah. here, there and everywhere. A few, a fair few missed punches, but um, it was rapid. It was really fun to do, actually. And then I've just kind of been going out with myself, a few other people, you know, that, that we're allowed to meet up with and um, been just finding some tapes in forests over the last couple of days. So I've actually made myself my own personal JK weekend of of a sprint, a middle long and a relay. So just because, you know, there's there's not many days that you have to run four races in four days. So I just thought, yeah, let's do it. See, see how well I do. Yeah. I've done it in a completely weird way of um, uh, threshold intervals on a Friday, more middle distance style and then sprint tomorrow, but also a long run in the, mor- in the morning tomorrow as well on the Easter Monday. So... Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm all messed up, but there we go. <laughs> hey ho, just treat it like a normal, you know, full on yeah, normal uh, weekend. Exactly, exactly. Um, do we have any news on kind of selection races, things like that going on? We do, yes. So on the 17th of April uh, in Nottingham at Clifton University campus, there will be an elite only selection race. Yeah, this is the first race back. It sadly won't have any athletes from Scotland attending because of the lockdown restrictions there. And Wales looks unlikely to be, um, any Welsh athletes look unlikely to be able to attend. But still a possibility they could make it. Um, But yeah, so any athlete based in England or who can get in legally, you know, be in England at the time of the event should be able to attend. So that should be a fair few people, fingers crossed. And yeah, we've actually got some elite racing back in the UK. Um, just and that's, a single what's that selection races for? Selection races for the European champs, if it is possible to go. Mm-hmm. Um, because at present, European champs falls just five days before international travel is allowed from the UK. So there's a slight uh, fear at the moment that we won't be allowed because orienteering is not recognised by the Department for Culture, Media and Sport in the UK as um, an elite sport because it's not either Olympic Paralympic or Commonwealth level 
and um, unless you derive your main income from your sport, then it's uh, it's difficult to convince them that you are of an elite level, unless you're yeah. kind of in that sporting bracket of the Olympics and Commonwealth. So um, yeah, so it should be selection for European champs. If we can't go to European champs as a full team, um, I'm sure it will contribute to any selection for the world champs for which there is a designated sprint test race at the end of May. So all a, a kind of all-known form contributor um, it'll be used yeah. as. So mostly just important. exciting to have some proper racing back. Yeah. Um, and actually being able to run full speed in a sprint race uh, with controls and flags out yeah, should be really good. So I've seen a lot of people this weekend suddenly panic, <laughs> panic training and getting, uh, <laughs> getting time on a map in, which they haven't been doing for the last few months. Well, I don't know about you, but it, it seems like, at least kind of here in the south of England, that there is, now we're allowed to do sports, that there seems to be loads of events popping up and there's almost oh, there's just stuff every weekend. all the time. And I'm just like, whoa, this is loads more than I was expecting there to be. Yeah, the problem is the entries fill up so quickly because everyone wants to get back to it, so you can't actually go unless you're really on it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it seems to be back with a bang, which is fantastic. And yeah, England now being allowed to, people in England now being allowed to travel, um, or encouraged to minimise travel, but you can travel a an amount of distance. Um, yeah, so uh, it's all good. We can actually start attending events again, which is fantastic. Very exciting indeed, but we do also have some sad news this week, don't we, Will? That is that Martin Hyman has passed away. For those who don't know, Martin was a legend of both British athletics and orienteering. During his career, he competed over the 10,000 metres in the 1960 Olympics, represented England at the Commonwealth Games and held the British record over six miles. Moving from England to Scotland to teach in the late 70s, he was a stalwart of Edinburgh's running scene. He was the course designer of the World Mountain Running Championships in 1995, organised numerous junior camps across the 80s, 90s and 2000s, and ran weekly interval sessions on the meadows in Edinburgh. Scores of British elite and non-elite orienteers attended these, and their careers were profoundly influenced by Martin. He was a true great and did so much for so many that it's impossible to sum up in just a few words the influence that he had but he had an undoubted impact on all those who he helped. Our condolences are sent to Martin's family and friends. Thank you, Martin, for everything you did with and for our sport. You'll be sorely missed. Well said, Will, and thanks so much for that tribute. Well, let's go to our main part of this episode, our main interview uh, with Grace Malloy, and this is what she told us earlier. Grace, why don't you, uh, welcome to the podcast, um, why don't you start by kind of saying where you are now, because you've been all over the country in this past year. <laughs> um, so I'm currently at home uh, in Linlithgow, just near Edinburgh, but I have been up and down to university in Oxford, um, and that's about the most exciting place I've been recently. <laughs> no, not really any travel apart from that, but a few different trips up and down across across the UK. Yeah. What was um, 2020 like for you, of course, because it was meant to be your last year as a junior, you know, peak jaywalk year, everything like that, going to um, Turkey. It was meant to be junior world champs in Turkey, um, of course, missing out on all of that. So how have you been? How have you felt in this last year with all of that going on? Yeah, it's been a bit of a weird one because I always thought 2020 would be my kind of big year. Um, as you said, last year of juniors looking to really perform it. At jaywalk but then I as I got a bit older I thought actually maybe 2019 would suit me better 
um, because the terrain was more familiar being Danish and also the year leading up to 2019, um, I was planning on taking a gap year and going to Australia and doing lots of orienteering. Um, whereas the year leading up to 2020, I thought I'd be at uni. So probably doing a bit less. Um, but went into 2019, obviously entirely thinking I'd have another year. Um, but then got much better results than I could have hoped for and kind of the results I was looking to get in my last year. Um, so then whilst it was a shame not to be able to have my last year, I felt like I'd done myself more than justice in the previous years. So I was quite happy to leave it leave it with 2019. Um, although it would be nice to try and back those up or get even better results, but um, very satisfied with my previous jaywalks. So it wasn't as much of a disappointment as I think it was for some other people who were really looking to prove themselves last year. Um, and yeah, I'd also kind of hoped to maybe start getting a bit more involved in senior racing last year and that didn't happen at all. So that's kind of moved into into this year's aims yeah well we'll we will talk about that um later but it because the junior world champs um in turkey it kind of got moved back and then got moved back again like it, it was kind of like all over the place there was some hope of doing it in like the autumn things like that like how was what was your reaction to that yeah so i guess kind of up until the first lockdown i was very much thinking there was going to be a jaywalk and i was going to be there um and then even when lockdown came in, it was kind of like, oh, it's still quite a while till jaywalk. So yeah. <laughs> a few weeks of this and then and then I'll be back out and ready to go. Um, but then once that one got cancelled, then it was moved to October. Um, and I was never as confident about that one. It was kind of, it never got more than a 50-50 in my head, probably the October jaywalk. Mm. Um, and then... There was a talk about having it in 2021, maybe with my year in it still, yeah, in some yeah. format. Um, and we got, I filled out some survey thing for the IOF about what I thought about that, because there was a few different proposals for that. Um, what did then, you think about it? What, what would you Yeah, well, so it was quite interesting. There was a couple of different proposals, um, one of which was just not to have my year in it and to have it as normal. Um, another was to have it, sort of as the 2021 one should have been but my year would also run but in a kind of separate age class so there'd just be like a class for the people born in 2000 and you just mm. compete against each other yeah separate um, set of medals yeah but like yeah completely separate set of medals so and then the third proposal was to kind of have everyone run together but have split results but you run the same courses yeah. but you run the same courses but if I get beaten by someone younger than me, they could win like two medals. Um, oh, oh, it would be oh, like right. basically That's results with my year in it and then results without my year in it to try and not disadvantage the younger years. But then there was all sorts of issues about how many people that would end up being because there's already like 180 boys and about 160 girls run jaywalk. So the long start okay. list is already like six hours long. Um, <laughs> so it's the, the worst like, quarantine ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then the proposals to have multiple age classes had reduced numbers for what there would usually be. So there would still be some disadvantage to the younger years. So basically, I thought none of them was ideal, but I <laughs> I just kind of didn't really ever settle on what was the best one. But I just kind of gave lots of different pros and cons to each one. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't really too sure. I didn't like none of them really suited everyone. Um yeah. And then now he even knows if there's going to be a 2021 one. So it's kind of like, it might not even have been a, 
a worthwhile discussion. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You've you got have... two years in 2022 <laughs> trying to form a separate yeah. age class. Yeah, my gosh. Well, maybe this makes people think about like an under 23 champs or a, I don't know, something else to to go ahead because for those who do have kind of a gap in competing from the end of junior world champs to the world champs if they don't, don't quite make the senior team the first time round. Would you would you be in favour of something like that? Yeah, although I guess you've got world unis, which mm. is yeah. somewhat a similar age group, although only open, I think, to people who are at university. Um, it, yeah, it's changed in the last couple of years because it used to be up to the age of 28 and now it's the age of 25 is the cap. So there's a lot more of a kind of under 23 style now than it used to be because it used to be like the Hubmans rocking up when they were 28 years old and already winning walk. Um, <laughs> That's not fair. No. Not really. Um, so when everything was kind of off, did you change your training? And obviously you weren't allowed to go places as well. Um, how did your training change in 2020? Um Probably the main thing that changed was there wasn't any races within my training. It sort of switched to entirely training because um, it was just kind of coming into March. So I was expecting to do a lot of racing through basically from kind of March through to July. Mm. Um, and there was none of that at all. Um, so I just kind of kept doing the training I'd been doing over the winter. Couldn't really do much orienteering um, within the area that I live in, um, but did a few a few bits um, but not too much um, and just kind of focused on keeping fit and getting faster um, not getting injured and trying to still enjoy it um, but yeah so probably my weekly training didn't change all that much like I didn't really take a big step back or kind of take a lot of time off like I just kind of kept going with what I was doing um, mm-hmm. but didn't have any races to fit in or aim for particularly yeah but but keep enjoying it that's a really important thing I can imagine you know that's such a lot the long time over the summer you're keeping with your winter training like doing the same old same old and like it's so easy to just kind of be like oh this is I don't want to be doing this anymore yeah well it started to look up a bit in kind of late June July I was able to get away a few places I went up to Aviemore for a bit which is a very nice break yeah and we actually made it to the old cup in summer so I got a lovely week of foreign orientation squeezed in there um so I had a few and a few more trips up north in Scotland so a little bit more variety coming through the summer months um I got hill racing as well actually Scottish hill champs so by then there was like a little bit more um variety from training didn't just have to run from the house the whole time um and was able to like drive to the Pentlands and things just near me which I couldn't do initially when it was just from the house properly yeah, yeah, you had it um, tough in Scotland. I remember talking to Kirsten Maxwell about, yeah, only being allowed to go from the house and various different things. And like, you know, she'd now run every single trail like within a certain distance around her house. Like she knew it really, really well and was really kind of starting to, <laughs> starting to annoy her, I think. Yeah, no, one thing I definitely benefited from was having my brother at home as well. So I could do a lot of my training with him so I at least had company even if it was always on the same route <laughs> yeah definitely that's that's a really a good point um but I want to have a little look back because we we talked to you after obviously the relay gold from the junior world champs but didn't really get to touch on your kind of individual performances um over at Jaywalk so a bronze in the sprint and in the long distance um so what like kind of now we've had a year and a half after that what is your kind of like main 
main memories I guess kind of from that junior world champs um just massively positive like it was such a good week um really good team spirit amongst the whole British team everyone was running well getting good results we'd been out to Denmark uh, a couple of times before because we went out the summer before and about a month or two before um so felt very familiar with it all and it was just like everything just went really well um and I'm just so glad we were able to do that and then that the sort of feelings from that week have helped a lot with keeping going through training at the moment yeah you got a taste of success and you know like what it's like to and just I guess just appreciating racing I think maybe as well yeah definitely I'm a big fan of racing like I don't mind training and (laughs) a lot of the time it is nice but if you trained and never raced I think that would be a pretty a pretty grim time that would that would be pretty tough so going into that jaywalk like what were your expectations like maybe which disciplines were you maybe hoping to do better in um and then how did obviously that match with what happened um I basically thought I had a pretty good shot at all the disciplines I don't really know why but I always tend to run worse in middles than I do in sprints and longs um and we I knew we were going to have a strong relay team so it was kind of like four chances to try and get a good result um and I wasn't putting pressure on myself to do it run well in every race um but I knew I could get good results in in all of them but I probably wouldn't um so yeah I was kind of targeting basically every every race the sprint terrain was really similar to what we've got here in Scotland and I was feeling like I was quite a bit faster than the year before um in the sprint so I was quite quite optimistic about that um and from my two previous jaywalks, I had top 20 results from each of the sprint, middle and long. So I was kind of looking to push those towards top 10s. Um, and I thought maybe even a top six, kind of if I got it right on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but then, yeah, so going into it, I was basically just quite looking to, looking to challenge in all of the races, basically. Yeah. Do you have a favourite discipline? Um... It's sometimes. <laughs> it kind of comes and goes. Okay. Um, I don't really like middles. I find them... I don't... I don't really like I don't middles like, either. I never yeah. do well in middles. I don't know what uh, it is. I don't know. I like, I think they're really I think they're really hard or like I really struggle to kind of keep the focus the whole way around for some reason. Yeah, I think I'll prefer senior middles, but I think it's that the junior middles are only like 23 minutes. So I just mm. don't like the fact that you can't really mess up. Um <laughs> and you really really have to get it right um whereas in the long there's like a lot more a lot more room for maneuver um and I just don't really know why but I always seem to make about the same amount of time and mistakes in middles as longs even though it's over a much shorter course Mm -hmm. um but I do I do enjoy longs I like the challenge of running over a longer distance thinking about more about route choice I think that plays to my strengths more as well um because I think I'm slightly weaker at the fine navigation, which often comes in more in the middles and stronger at kind of simplification, running faster over longer distances. Um, so I think longs play to my strengths better than middles probably. But then on the flip side, I really like sprints as well um, and find that just a very different challenge. Um, yeah. But something I really enjoy and relays are always fun. I'm a big relay fan as well. 
Well, you should be. So <laughs> with the gold medal, yeah. <laughs> I imagine if you said, no, I hate relays, they're rubbish. And <laughs> you'd have been, would have been like, what? <laughs> um, so you've got you've got some decisions to kind of make, I guess, what, what races you do if you like all of them, you know, going forward with this split world champs and well, but not the split world champs this summer and everything like that, that's going to prove tricky. Yeah, I think at the moment, I'm just keen to keep running everything and see how it all goes. Um, at the moment, I feel like I'm in better sprint kind of shape. I'm more sprint race ready just because I've not been running so much in terrain and most of the good areas near me are sprint areas. So I've done more sprint training recently and I feel like I haven't done very much or any quality forest training at all recently. So I'd feel probably quite uncomfortable going into a forest race at the moment, whereas I could definitely be ready to sprint race quite soon um but assuming I'm allowed to leave the area near my house in the not so distant future then I'm keen to get back to the forest and keen to keep doing keep doing everything really yeah well I I think you know you you're probably pretty I mean the stereotype is all for for me anyways all Scots are like really tough you know in the forest like you're used to that kind of tough terrain all the way coming up through Scott Joss and everything like that and I remember um I was coaching on your lag and Leah I remember like you being strong in the terrain a lot when you were there and actually being quite stand out in that group at the age of 14 so maybe this is a tricky question for me but when did you realize you were good at orienteering I remember a six days. I think it was my first year of W16. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a walk. It was a walk, 2015 that year. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like I was just really, really inconsistent kind of up till that point. Like I had lots of good races and some fairly chaotic races. <laughs> to. Um, but felt like I really nailed a couple of races just by stepping off the pace a little bit and really kind of getting in control. And that was kind of the first time I felt like I could, like it was sort of more competent and I knew I was doing a bit more. But yeah, I don't know, from W14 probably, I was basically up the top of age classes all the time, really. Um, Because we didn't do too much orienteering, certainly at a national level before that point. Um, Yeah. Did lots of FEO events, but didn't tend to travel to things like the JK. I think my first one was when I was 13. Um, But yeah, kind of all through the junior ranks, I was tending to be from kind of W14 onwards up the top. And then 2015, um, I went to world schools and I won the sprint. No, I won the middle and the long at that. And that was the first time I'd kind of raced against people from different countries. Um, so that was a bit like, oh, I can beat people from other countries as well as <laughs> people from the UK. Um, and then from that year on, I was kind of going to different, like UIOC and then Jaywalk and starting to be reasonably high at the results there. So, yeah, I'd say probably somewhere around kind of 14s, yeah. early 16s. I can see definitely like, because I work a lot with that age group, you really, that's when you're really starting to get some consistency in. And yeah, your, your 14s, you can either actually have an absolutely smashing performance, do really well, or you make like two 10 minute mistakes or something like that. Like that is, or, you know, anywhere in between, but you get that kind of, I think 
the you just get the consistency you understand what you're doing with your orienteering you've had that training you've had that coaching and you kind of like just get it a bit more and I guess for you as well you're saying just easing off a bit and being in control yeah it was definitely the first time I sort of consciously ran a bit slower and it all just worked a lot better (laughs) Um, do you still take that into your orienteering now that principle yeah definitely um like if you do just kind of take a little step back from it it does tend to click a bit better um I don't know I think it's just one of the hardest things about orienteering but one of the things that definitely makes the biggest difference is kind of finding the line of how fast you can run and how fast Mm. you need to be running um I think one of the things that helped me as a junior was I grew grew really early so I was always quite quick because of that I think um it's like I've been the same height since I was 13, I think, um, yeah. which I think does help when you kind of develop a bit earlier and then you tend to be a bit faster. Yeah, and you get that strength, yeah, that strength kind of earlier and everything like that. Yeah, it's it's the thing that I think we don't factor enough into on those kind of junior, those particular ages for the girls and for the boys is that I remember being at um, Lagunier with Adam Potter, who was absolutely tiny there and just like trying to run everywhere you know he didn't grow for like years and years afterwards just the, like still development hasn't. there well, still, well yeah well <laughs> I'll give Don't it, yeah. <laughs> um but you know there's and then some of the guys are like huge and there's there's you know the same with the girls like it's really like a different thing I think there but presumably you know you've been a part of Scott Dross the whole time and had a lot of great kind of they've given you a lot of great experiences to develop when you were young junior yeah so I got into Scott just at the start of W14 so the sort of earliest age they were taking people from um and that was really the first time I sort of started to take orienteering more seriously it was certainly the first time I'd had any awareness of when any events were other than my parents being like oh we're going to the Scottish Champs today was <laughs> when I sort of got into W14 and started thinking about it more and then you had things like jerks and JHIs to aim towards so yeah got a lot of training from scott just we were off on well we had jerks and jhis and summer tour every two years and then usually a few other weekends in the year as well to help with training and then started to go on stuff like the j ross camps as well so starting with lag and leah i think i did lag and leah on d side and then i got into talent squad and then started going on the british talent squad training as well so i had quite a lot of different training options yeah yeah pretty uh pretty good pretty exciting stuff um I want to move on more to kind of now or the last couple of years so you're at university in Oxford what are you what are you studying physics physics fantastic uh says Catherine and Will as both history graduates um um, so I want I'm interested in why Oxford you're a Scot you could have stayed in Scotland and got some free education yeah it was mostly a bit of just sort of <laughs> where's where's the best place I can do my course yeah. um and my decision was that that was Oxford um I didn't really want to go to Edinburgh because whilst I don't live in Edinburgh I live very close to Edinburgh um and I just wanted to get away a bit and meet lots of new people and live in a different city I did consider some other unis in England but I didn't I definitely didn't want to be in London that was my other big kind of no yeah, that's that's very yeah. similar to how I chose universities. Like, good place for studying history, not London, not close by as well. Like, definitely didn't want to be doing that. Find some new people. But yeah, we, you know, we've seen 
as opposed to there's, there is a big group of students in Edinburgh, but then we have seen more recently now groups of students in, you know, like uh, Fiona Bunn was at Cambridge. Cecilia Anderson was also at Oxford. So what's the orienteering scene like there? And what's the also the athletics and whatever other training you do around there? Yeah, so there's a small orienteering club. Um, and in my first year, we travelled to events quite a bit and would always feel the decent team at Bucks. Um, uh, but there's not lots of really regular training. One of the things we lack a bit is forest areas within non-driving distance. There's yeah. really only one. Um, and then a few different... There's a few different decent sprint areas within the city as well. Um, so we didn't tend to do much organised training as a club, but would car share to events and things. And it was quite organised about that. Um, but yeah, the cross-country club was one of the big reasons I was quite keen to go to Oxford. Mm. Well, not quite. It, didn't, it wasn't like a particular appeal, but it was definitely something I wanted to make sure was that I had people to train with. Um, so the cross-country club's really strong and that's where I've made a lot of friends at uni and make run with a lot of people from there so mm. that's definitely a really good thing for my training um and then there's that athletics club as well didn't really do any of that in my first year because we weren't at uni but hoping to get a bit more involved with that in the summer and run a few races with them so they have a separate cross-country and athletics club yeah although they're very um well joined but yeah. they're technically separate but like anyone who runs further than 800 meters we just train with cross country through the winter and then we all just kind of train on the track in the summer okay that kind of makes sense so like what's your training been like with them like where have you managed to have you managed to get out to the to the one forest is it mostly around a field around the roads uh, i guess i guess a lot of this year you haven't been able to do stuff officially but you know um what's it been like yeah so um i sort of took the attitude that i didn't need to do too much orienteering whilst at uni and then could try and do lots in my holidays because we have quite short terms and quite long holidays (laughs) um so I sort of took the opportunities when they came but wasn't too concerned about trying to get loads and loads of quality orienteering and more just working on my sort of speed and fitness whilst at uni but yeah I went out this term when I was down we didn't have any organized club training because you couldn't really meet anyone for that but I took some maps myself and just did training myself or sometimes with one other person as well just um trying to keep the skills up roughly like once a week type thing um on whatever maps I had um but yeah I wasn't able to drive to any other areas because there's quite a few more kind of within half an hour drive but um didn't have the car we weren't able to hire any vehicles or and we weren't allowed to kind of do sport officially through the uni um that wasn't within Oxford Mm. so you weren't Mm -hmm. supposed to be traveling for sport yeah that, yeah as we would expect so do you do you have a coach do you work with a coach to plan your training do you kind of do most of it yourself or different coaches for kind of like running orienteering I don't know tell me yeah so sort of mostly myself but input from a few different um people like when I was in Scott Joss could get chat from any of the coaches there and in talent squad we always kind of talk through what we're doing but in general like I didn't have a personal coach it was kind of what I decided to do and then I would run it past people or ask for advice rather than them kind of coming up with things for me um and then at cross country uh, uni we have a cross-country coach um and I'm on a sort of performance scheme at uni so I get strength and conditioning as well so I have a strength and conditioning coach um and then actually recently the British squad got um 
Emmeline to do the sprint training. So I've been chatting to him a bit about sprint specifically and training for that. So that's been quite useful as well. Um, but generally just kind of take input from lots of different people and then use it to come up with my own plan. Oh, I think that's the best thing to kind of do with orienteering when you've got like lots of different, you know, as you said, you've got the cross country thing to factor in, you've got the, um, you've got strength and conditioning to factor in, you've got technical side, you've got sprint side, forest side, all sorts of stuff, just kind of trying to get the best from as many people as you can. Yeah, basically. And when I was at school, I was doing other sports as well and still playing a little bit of football. So it's kind of like, I never really thought there'd be like one coach who I could speak to about everything. So I tend to think it was better to kind of draw from lots of different people and then piece it together myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I remember you said, um, or you, we still do some football. When, at what point, well, did the orienteering win out? Um, so it was actually in 2015 when I got picked for World Schools and did well there. That year I'd also got picked for the Scottish Schools football team, which was the first and only time I ever played um, at the sort of national team level. Mm. Um, and that was really cool and I really, really enjoyed that. But I'd missed out on a few selections for um, other Scotland teams. And at that point, I kind of knew at that point I'd started to have probably make a decision between the two. Um, and I really liked orienteering, like just more. I enjoyed the sport more and I had better friends in it. Um, and that was kind of, for me, it, I always thought it would be quite a difficult choice. And then when the time came, I actually didn't find it that hard. And then another thing I quite liked about orienteering was I always thought the selection was less subjective. Because um, I always thought the football was quite subjective because you have, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 players trial and they all play a few trial games. But somebody might think somebody played well. And then one of the other selectors mm. might think somebody else played well. And when you're only watching people for a couple of hours, like you can't really, there isn't really a definitive answer as to who's the better player and who you should take. So there always is going to be a bit more. Yeah. And you've so, got to like, like do the best team rather than the best yeah. set of individual players as well, which makes it even more complicated. Yeah. So is there anything you say like you learn whilst playing football and whilst training for that, that you kind of still continue to apply in your orienteering? Because I, I, on the paper, I guess there's not much like overlap between the two sports, but maybe there is. Um, a little bit. I think one thing I definitely noticed from the football and really helped me like at school was find it so much easier to train when you've got a training session to go to um, rather than getting yourself out the door. Um, although the, like now I'm this old, I don't really find it that hard anymore. And I kind of enjoy training, but definitely it meant that I was really active because I was playing hockey at school as well. So I just had like, I don't know, two or three football sessions, two hockey sessions a week. And that's already like six hours of exercise mm. you're doing without even really thinking about it because it's just quite fun and you go with your mates and um, you do that. Whereas I think training for running and orienteering, if you're not running in a club and it's not as fun, then it's very much like you have to make yourself do it and be a lot more self-disciplined. Mm. Um, but yeah, other things I've taken, I guess, I don't know. I think some of the things that, typically are associated with football are things that stuff like strength and agility and turn of pace which is always the things I was really bad at in football like the things <laughs> I was good at was keeping running for the whole 90 minutes and kind of the fitness <laughs> and also like looking out for passes and shooting and other skills which are sort of the more natural ones probably for an endurance athlete um yeah 
but I guess because I actually started playing again a little bit recently um because I did I missed it basically I missed the sort of team the team side of it mm. um and also the sort of regular matches as well I think I enjoy um and also things like scoring goals like there's not really an equivalent feeling in orienteering I guess like finding the control somewhat but like taking <laughs> a ball to yeah. smacking the ball in the top corner like it, there's nothing that kind of hits the same in orienteering so um there's a few things I missed about it that made me want to start playing a bit again but very casually now really yeah well the the social side is so important like and the team aspect side which I see you can you know really appreciate the the team vibe when you go to something like the junior world champs you mentioned maybe last year about it would have potentially been an opportunity for you to race uh, some senior races um and I'll, I'll tell you a thing that i that pair forsberg so he's like for the listeners he's the main commentator um arena commentator at the kind of world champs and stuff he came up to me i think it was in china saying why is Gra- why grace and fiona not at the world cups like this was in 2019 like why are they not here they should be here and i'm like well maybe it's because it's in china and it's really expensive and they are at school like uni or school or whatever and something else like and you know they've been focusing on this junior season the whole time so um i presume that is the answer <laughs> yeah and i also I still went to Jack that year as well and had run mm. O-ring and then had lots of different stuff on. And I think by the time the World Cup came around, I was in Australia as well. Um, and there was also, I don't know, I'd never really considered getting involved with the senior stuff until after I'd kind of finished my junior career. Um, so it was never really something I'd considered doing was kind of going to World Cups in 2019. Yeah. That's, but it really surprised me that he was like, "Oh, why aren't why aren't they here?" <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but that was going to feature in um, hopefully last year, maybe. Um, so, what looking forwards, like, how are you approaching this coming year? What races would you like to do? All things like that, as it's your first senior year. Yeah, so it's sort of a bit of a bit of a trial year, a bit of a where am I at and where do I need to get to um so I was basically keen to race whatever's whatever's on and whatever's going in basically whatever discipline I get selected in um so yeah just keen to kind of race as many competitions as possible whether that's European champs walk world cups um anything that's going really uh and just trying to perform as best I can see where I am and then see what it is that other people are doing better or where I need to improve um, in order to kind of be a bit more results focused in future years. Yeah, so take it as a learning year. Yeah, a learning year, but wanting to be, like, I don't want to go and be at the bottom. Um, and I don't, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I think I can go in and compete. Uh, I'm just not quite sure whereabouts I'll be competing. But yeah, primarily a learning year, but I'm hoping it's not like go and do horrendously and then yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to really rethink things. Yeah, well, like it's a, a year where you go in with no expectations because you haven't raced against these people before. You know, it's like you're saying the first chance, the first time you've raced at the world schools, you're like, well, I, you don't know how you are compared to these people, these other like kids from around the world. And now you're like, who knows where I'm going to fit in in terms of the whole, you know, the whole best orienteers in the world basically so um yeah that that kind of makes sense have you kind of 
how do you feel about the transition from like junior to senior obviously the longer distances um the kind of different pressure maybe arguably at events like how have you been trying to like prepare yourself for that and have you taken any advice um I guess for me it's not something I was ever massively concerned about because I think the step up for the girls doesn't tend to be as big a step up for the boys obviously that was something we were talking about quite a lot on the gender panel the other week um but so I was never like it's sort of going from 55 minutes to 75 minutes 80 minutes like it's not actually that huge a step up and I was always running quite a lot more than I ever needed to be running in order to perform at the junior level like I've been doing kind of two hour long runs for the last couple of years so to then go into an 80 minute race like doesn't seem that ridiculous um so the and then yeah like the middle steps up but it doesn't step up longer than the long and the sprints kind of similar so I don't I always thought the races actually wouldn't be that different and a longer long was actually something I was looking forward to rather than apprehensive about. Um, so that was, yeah, never a big, never a massive concern. Um, so competitions wise, not too sure what will be the things that are different and how it will be different. I think that's one of the things looking to learn this year. Um, but one thing I definitely noticed was the possibility for multiple races in one day, um, which isn't really something that was ever a feature of junior international races. Um, so both preparing for potentially double middle races on one day and then also the sprint races, particularly knockout sprint. That Well, that's a whole new discipline, actually, yeah. as a sprint relay. So that's yeah. two things mm. that'll be quite different is the new the new disciplines for me. Um, and yeah, the, the sort of prospect of doing multiple races on uh, one day is something I haven't really done before. With that lack of kind of a feedback loop from any races last year, Grace, is there any kind of TT or um, loop that you've got set that you, you're going to test yourself on to try and figure out your shape or is you going to go in, like you say, kind of eyes wide open and see what happens? Just think um, about the, t- like the step from junior to senior and wanting as much confidence as possible. Yeah, so I've done a couple of 5K time trials, just flat road kind of stuff which has been really helpful and um given me quite a lot of confidence that I have been improving and I am in good shape I haven't really done any terrain tests or more kind of off-road um trials to kind of check that out it's something I kind of keep thinking about doing and never actually do but the 5k has definitely been helpful to have something to work towards and also just to do a bit of a practice like tapering as well um, just because that's something you get quite out of the habit of if you're not mm. if you're not racing. So I guess I know like if I know what 5k shape I'm in, particularly for the sprint, that's quite a useful indicator compared to the other women who are top sprinters. You can kind of work out where you can be challenging pace wise. Um, the forest is a bit more difficult because different people tend to do different terrains, and I tend to do better on different terrains as well. So um, I've got less idea what my forest shape is than probably what my sprint shape is mm. you said um different f- forests suit you best what is your kind of favorite what suits you best um certainly what i enjoy is something that's nice and runnable um <laughs> <laughs> but i do tend to be quite strong in the more sloggy terrains but i definitely enjoy them a bit less um 
so yeah probably something that's not like absolutely lightning fast and like flat but something that's quite runnable is definitely a more enjoyable orienteering experience um and one of the things I think I'm quite good at is sort of running at a high being able to orienteer at quite a high speed um and if the terrain's too slow then you kind of don't get to use that advantage because everyone can navigate at that speed um so there's a bit of a trade-off and certainly a couple of years ago my flat speed was worse relatively to the people I was trying to beat so I've improved that now so I'd probably take faster forests now than I would over a couple of years ago yeah so of the world cups the of the international races coming up like what do you think would most suit you yeah so I'm probably a bit apprehensive about both Switzerland and Czech where the European champs and walk are may not not so much because the underfoot conditions but more I've not oriented in either of them and I think technically they both have some quite specific challenges like looking at maps from the Swiss Alpine kind of areas mm. um, I think the really steep slopes is something both technically and physically I don't have a lot of practice with um, and then in Czech the underfoot conditions aren't too challenging but the sort of navigation amongst the really densely rock terrain also is something I have a bit less practice with so it's sort of I think I can draw on past experiences, but neither is probably a terrain I'd pick out as ideal for me at the moment. Um, but still things I think I can do a good shot at and do some preparation and kind of think about how I would deal with the challenges. Um, I'm not too, I haven't really looked at the terrains for any of the World Cups, but one of them is in Sweden, um, which I do tend to think I run reasonably well in Scandinavian terrain, um, just because it's quite similar to a lot of Scottish terrains and a decent, like it's, quite tough but still runnable enough uh and sort of mm. reasonably technical i yeah i tend to not find that too different to what i'm used to in times i've run in kind of scandinavian terrain it's really nice runnability that swedish stuff apparently for welcome as well excellent news <laughs> <laughs> yeah that does sound great that does sound great so i mean yeah like it's it's the terrain is so specialized for this coming year and you know and a lot of people are going to be kind of in the same boat as you so i guess kind of my one of my final questions is how how are you looking forward to that and trying to do some more specific training either like technically or physically to kind of prepare you well for those types of terrain um, I think physically it'll be for, I don't know, it's just, it tends to be that as long as you're Finding the one fit, hill in Oxford? <laughs> Finding the one hill in Oxford and <laughs> running up and down it. Yeah. I mean, hills fitness, you definitely do need a little bit of hill fitness, but I think generally the fitter you are, it does transfer across most terrains. Like a bit of really steep hill practice definitely does help. But in general, if you're fit and running well you'll be doing reasonably well in most terrains um technically I don't think there's a lot of British terrain that particularly well resembles either Switzerland or the Czech Republic <laughs> so I think particularly for kind of the longer route choices just spending quite a lot of time looking at past races and similar terrains and seeing what the fastest people run and um trying to have a look at that because I always find like if you ever do the route to christmas ones the swiss ones i always get horribly wrong um so definitely you have a bit to go of so far off the straight line and it's just like you're not used to having to do that i think yeah so i think 
most of the technical training will be the sort of specific technical training will be mostly armchair kind of training um and then making sure my orienteering skills in slightly less relevant terrains are up to scratch so you're just really comfortable running with map and compass and doing all the kind of core skills your simplification your bearings your forming good pictures and things um but i think specifically it's going to be quite hard to recreate relevant terrain yeah you can just do what you can do you know with the armchair and you've got to be able to take enough confidence that you've done all the things that you can i guess um from there yeah because i think it's looking unlikely you'll be able to get out into terrain at all before any competitions uh abroad so just kind of do what you can do yeah and of course you've got you got the you know selection races test races and stuff to kind of navigate your way through um to get onto the teams for the various world cups and things like that as well so um yeah that's also really important i guess yeah and that's i always find selection races really really useful for pressured practice there's not a lot of races where you can kind of somewhat recreate the pressure you get of an international race um and those definitely go some way towards helping that and just kind of practicing your race routines as well yeah definitely that's why you know they are good selection races because they put you under the pressure and can you deal with the pressure yes then you can get selected no <laughs> goodbye yeah um, pretty much well i will um yeah wish you luck in both all the selection races and then um you know going forwards and hoping we can actually do some races this year <laughs> some international ones uh, as opposed to last year yeah fingers crossed thank you very much well, that was so great to um, hear from Grace there. I think, you know, we'll be hearing a lot, of course, from her, I think, <laughs> over the next few years. And But really making that transition up from juniors to senior level is is one that should never be underestimated. And I just kind of hope that she's able to make that transition really smoothly and we may well see her being selected for a fair few races this summer. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Fingers crossed that... Um, especially with the disappointment of no jaywalk last year that she can kind of bounce back from that and into the senior ranks and start performing uh, in the senior level. Yeah. Very exciting to see. Yeah, I just and I, you know, hope it with all that talent there that it kind of really pays off for, for her. So um, that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, let's have a quick word from our sponsors, uh, Envy uh, Orienteering Shoes. Um, Will, why don't you tell us about what you're going to be using for the upcoming sprint test race? Yes, well, so with the weather in the UK having been pretty dry recently and the test race is being based on a university campus, I'm probably leaning towards the XXC, which is MV's dedicated uh, sprint orienteering shoes. So um, the same butyl rubber sole as the Terra TT or the Forest 2, but a lot finer um, tread pattern on the base and a lower stack height of the... uh, tread as well so very light around 169 grams so really responsive for sprint when you're cornering trying to accelerate but also some really good grip on uh, on any grassy sections as well so that would be my main plan if it uh, if it stays dry like this if not i'll have to rethink i'll probably go for the forest too if it gets wet but uh, fingers yeah. crossed it stays dry so, of course, if you um, want to grab a pair of Envy shoes, you can contact Mary Fleming at envystraight.uksales at gmail.com. NVIISTR, the number eight, .uksales at gmail.com. And that's pretty much it. That is it for this episode. Grace is going to be back uh, next week for our sprint episode. 
and then we'll have a full length episode um, in another couple of weeks um, with the lovely Claire Ward of course uh, ex-GB team member running at um, many a world championships uh, so we will see you then enjoy your orienteering in the meantime Thank you.